tour all night is supported by listeners like you. To find out how you can help, head over to patreon.com slash songsoftoryamos. There you'll see what exciting rewards we're offering for your support. Once again, that's patreon.com slash songsoftoryamos to help us continue to make high-quality and tourytainment for you. Everybody. Welcome back to Tour All Night, Season 2. It's been four and a half long, lonely years since Tori hit the road. But finally, this February, she embarks on a whirlwind zigzag across Europe. And we do mean zigzag. But guess what? We'll be right behind her covering every aspect of the tour. From wills and wants to pre-show plans and post-show impressions, we'll be at every stop along the way bringing you all the hottest tea about our favorite tea. But first, we must prepare. So in this series of episodes, we sit down with a different person from every tour stop along the way and invite them to be our tour guide and answer our most important questions. What are the vibes? Where are the gay bars? And can we sleep on your couch? But also anything else that pops into our head. Get to know a little bit more about each city on Tori's European schedule, and most importantly, the people that are coming to the shows. Welcome back. This is Tour All Night. Solidarity. Okay. I love I know. that. That's a real friend. Yeah. That's magic. Sounds That's like, great. Okay. I think she will end up being a fan. Yeah. They always do. Delighted to have Holly Rayburn on the show. Finally, after, I guess, a year or more of wanting you on the show. How are you, Holly? I'm very well, thank you. I'm sitting here in London, pouring with rain. And uh, yeah, it's pitch black outside and four o'clock in the afternoon. So uh, so hello from London. <laughs> Is this what we can expect? Just pouring rain and pitch blackness? I hope not. Hopefully by February and March, it'll be slightly nicer. But um, yeah, for today, I'm plunged into darkness. Well, we are here to talk about London specifically, but first I want to hear all about you. I want to hear your Tory story. I know you've toured a lot. I want to hear the show count. I want to hear everything. Okay, well, how I got into Tory in the first place, I was lucky to grow up in a house that looked and sounded like a record store. Both my parents were ardent gig-goers and music obsessives. My dad's number one love was and still is Kate Bush. He loves Kate how we love Tory. He's a fanatical Kate fan. So I grew up listening to Kate as a young child. And Kate used to go into my mum's shop. She owned a vintage clothes store in London. And Kate lived locally and she was often coming in the shop. So when Tori came out, when she was being billed as the next Kate Bush, our ears were kind of up and listening like, who is this? Like she's being compared to Kate. Was your dad offended? She's no Kate Bush. (laughs) My dad loves Tori. Uh, we both agree that they are nothing like each other. I mean, you can find similarities, I suppose, if you want to. But, you know, they're both very distinctly unique to me. But when Tori was starting, you couldn't go anywhere out the music press and not see her name next to Kate's name. So growing up in a house of Kate fans, we couldn't miss the name Tori anywhere. And we loved her. Uh, so my cousin took me to see Tori do two nights. I mean, I was 11 years old at the time. She did two nights at the Shaw Theatre. I remember she covered the Stones and Joni Mitchell and Led Zeppelin, and she did me in a gun. Because I was only 11, kind of the my take-home memories at the time were the cover songs, because I already knew them and I already loved them, because I was just a music... Oh, I mean, to say I'm a music obsessive is just not enough. Like, it's my blood and life. This was 92? Yeah, I was 11, so 92. 
and she did these two shows back to back and my mum and dad let my cousin take me because I wanted to go and see the lady that was the next Kate Bush <laughs> so that's how I got there my mum and dad let my cousin take me and it was the covers that got me in because I think when an artist is new to you the, the recognition of songs it familiarises you with their voice so when I was watching the Zeppelin and Joni and Stones I'm like who is this singer this is just Something happened that just never undid, and that's why I'm talking to you now so many years later, because Mm -hmm. it was just, it was so deeply profound. I mean, it just hit me like a ton of bricks, her voice. It was life-changing, literally life-changing. The Me and the Gun she did, I'll never forget that as long as I live. I'm sitting there 11 years old listening to Me and the Gun thinking, what is this? And it was chilling. From then on, I was just hooked. And I also read at one point that Neil Gaiman was in the audience at that Shaw Theatre show. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I wouldn't have had any idea who that was. Sorry, Neil. I, I love you now, <laughs> but I didn't know who you were there. Does this sound familiar? I think I found that show. This must be January 30th, 1992 at the Shaw Theatre because all the covers that you mentioned check out. Does this set list sound familiar? Little Earthquakes, Crucify, Silent All These Years, Whole Lot of Love Into Thank You. That's it, Whole Lot of Love, Thank You. Yeah, I remember it like yesterday. I remember those stone covers. It was, yes. Precious Things, Happy Phantom, Girl, Leather, Sentimental Journey, Upside Down, Me and a Gun Winter. Encore 1 was A Case of You, China. Encore 2 was Mother and Angie. I mean, what I would do to hear that set now. Good God. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, and that rings true with the covers that I remember because there are so many of them in that set. And it was really, really the the cover versions that pulled me in because it was listening to the familiarity of those songs where I could really just zone out and listen to her voice because I knew the words. I mean, bear in mind I was only 11, so that's what I would really connect with and understand. You go with familiarity, I suppose, and then after that, Little Earthquakes came out and I stuck with her. And I'm still here hundreds of shows later. How many shows exactly do you know? hundred. I don't know. I've tried to work it out so many times and I just I, I lose count or too many hours pass trying to work it out. But it's multiple hundreds. Do you have parameters like where you tour? Do you only like tour Europe or do you come to the US? Like what is your... I have been to the US. I've been to Canada. It's mainly every UK show, every EU show pretty much. You know, there's been some tours where it's, I haven't been to Italy, for example, or just one or two that I've missed. But Let's speak of the elephant in the room. Let's just say his name, Peter Doyle, the love of my life. You must know him. No, I don't know. Really? I, I mean, I mean, I just feel like I've broken your heart because you've told me that, firstly, he's an elephant in the room, and secondly, and, and secondly he's the love of your life. So for me to then now say, I'm sorry, I don't know who he is. If you want to hang up now, then, then I'm expecting it. Well, this has been Tour All Night with Holly. <laughs> Goodbye. That was Holly, who's now have to go and burn her fan card and follow Alanis instead. <laughs> Can you imagine? shows now because i don't know peter doyle peter doyle he's done every well not so much anymore but he had done every uk show i think since 92 yeah but there this is what i'm saying though when you know people's names but all the faces or vice versa mm-hmm. maybe his face i know yeah you probably know his face everybody knows that sweet face if he's done that many shows mm-hmm. then i would probably definitely know his face but i don't know his name well, your goal is to find out what show, by the time we get to the 11th and 12th of March, 2022, in London at the Palladium, we need to know what that show count is for you. Okay, I can do that. It's definitely multiple hundreds. It's definitely, definitely in the hundreds. I know that much, but it's, okay, I will find out. I will give you that number at the Palladium. Okay, can't wait. Okay, there's a day off before and a day off after the two London shows, which means she loves London. Obviously, she's got business to do there, press to do, but it means like she wants to spend some time there, right? 
I think so. Yeah. So tell us about London. Tell us everything we need to know about the Palladium, first of all, on and the address. I didn't find a number. It just says Argyle Street, London. It's in Argyle Street, which is a back street which joins Regent Street to Oxford Street. It's an alleyway, but it's got a lot of footfall because it's the back street that joins the two major shopping roads of the city. Mm. It's a good location, though. It's as central as it gets. It's got everything you need. Okay, so give us the general vibes of the area and three things you love about London. I mean, three things I love about London. I mean, the, the, the main thing that I love about London is the music scene. I mean, as a music lover and a massive gig goer, I go to gigs most nights. I'm seeing Dave Kahan from Depeche Mode tonight. Oh my um, God. Yeah, I'm, I'm always, always going to gigs. And that's mainly what I love about London. Everyone plays here. There's always someone. I don't even mean just going to see, you know, your massive rock bands or big names. Just walking into a bar or a pub, there'll be a band on. It's just such a vibrant, brilliant place for music. Any genre, any night of the week, daytime, lunchtime, if you want live music, there'll be some. And that's what's so exciting about London. It's really driven by its music music, art, theatre scene, and it's fantastic. I'm looking at your notes here in our document. You say the day before, since it is a day off, we should see Neil Gaiman's play The Ocean at the End of the Lane at the National Theatre, which we already have tickets for, by the way, for that night. Oh, Um, brilliant. Yeah, Yeah. and I'm trying to book some time currently in the National Theatre in one of their screening rooms to see The Light Princess. You can do that there. You can see it for free. Like, you just go in their screening room. You just have to book the time. Yes, I believe you can. I mean, I saw The Light Princess, I think, 27 times. Um, Wow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which was uh, a lot. But when you live down the road and they sell £9 day tickets, it's really mm. hard to think, okay, the Light Prince is on tonight. Yeah. Do I stay in and watch TV mm. or do I go and see it? I support that. As a theatre director myself, Like this is something that will never happen again. That production is locked in time. So I'm glad you saw it 27 times. But it was just absolutely spellbinding. And I could watch that every night of my life, even if it wasn't Tori. Even if it had nothing to do with her, it was just the most visually beautiful, mm. choreographed, acted. It was, I just loved it. I love it like I do Tori's own albums. I'm a really massive fan of The Light Princess, and uh, I think people know me for that because uh, I really, really love it a lot, and I saw it so often. But if you can book to see that, you absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. And it's free. You, that's what they do there. They let you go into a screening room and see their whole archive, not just that show, but their whole archive. Yeah, it's a real privilege that they do that. And if you can be in London and get that book and see it, then do. Hit me up if you want to go together. Absolutely. How many Tory fans can you get in a tiny little archive? I know. <laughs> I know. Exactly. <laughs> We're going to find out. I'm looking at your gigs. You want a Japanese techno night on a Wednesday? I'm sure we will have that going on. You want a gospel choir singing metal covers? Yes, please. Yep. London's got it all. You name it, we will find it. This is what I'm saying. I mean, you want three things I love about London, but just let one, two, three be the music scene, yeah. the music scene, and the music yeah. scene, <laughs> because that really is all I know about. <laughs> I don't really know a life outside of music. You have everything in this city every night of the week it's just fantastic it's always exciting this sounds silly to ask but i don't break format for anyone so what's the gay scene like in london what's gay scene like in london um it's really good it's the same as any big city you've got your main clubs who kind of have everyone in it depends what you want to be at you know it's so varied and it's so diverse it depends what your thing is if you know what I mean. If you want to be dancing to Kylie until 5am, go to GIY. 
If you want drag or cabaret, I'd say go to the Royal Vauxhall Tavern or Halfway to Heaven, which is brilliant, brilliant place. There's also a, a pub called Players, which is really well known for its musical theatre scene. Um, when the shows finish in London, you get a lot of the performers and the actors go there and they have a grand white piano in the back bar and it's kind of like open mic on a piano. Everyone can just play the piano and have piano bar. So that's a great place for us to all go and all have a leather sing song because that's everyone's favorite to, to have, have a sing along with right. so we should all go there players players it's called players love it it's great and there's also my favorite my regular pub but it closes at 11 so we won't be able to go on a show night called the retro bar which is down a little alleyway in Charing cross road um and they it's not my favorite because they have a framed photo of tori on the wall i promise but it helps and i've been known to hear tori played in there it's a it's a tiny tiny pub but the reason i love it is the music they play and how friendly it is and how welcoming it is and how inclusive it is so that's the retro bar which i fully fully recommend but it's tiny and they do reserve tables so we'd have to reserve a table if we're all going to go in there got it now what part of town are we in when we're at the palladium is that soho is that near soho it's in the middle. It's like a Venn diagram. So you're in the middle. So Argyle Street, you've got Soho to one side, like Carnaby Street is, um, and that goes down towards Soho. And then you've got Oxford Street and Regent Street and Oxford Circus. So it really is in the middle of everything. So food, drink, bars, Soho, clubs, hotels, everything that you need is around there. It's a really fantastic location. The stage door side of the venue is a narrow, busy pavement. So that might, I don't know, none of us know the situation on meet and greets at the moment. But if there is a meet, I find it very unlikely she'll do it at the backstage door because we'll be falling into the road. We'll be falling in front of traffic. But the front of the, the building on Argyle Street, it's pedestrian only. As far as I remember, I don't think I, I don't think cars go down. I think it's just a pedestrian alley. And if she did do a meet, I think she's more likely to do it in the foyer at the front, which is far better. But the gay part of is Soho. Well, I mean, the whole town's gay. <laughs> That's what I was just going to say. London's 33 boroughs and it's enormous. We're brimming with 10 million people in this city. Mm. So, where you find the student life, the nightlife in each borough, you're going to find your gay bar. So they, 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 they cover the city. They're everywhere. But the main district, the place where you, you get the rainbows above every pub door, that's Soho. And it's got quite a, a famous, well-known LGBT history. They do LGBT history walking tours there. It's known for the theatre, the cabaret, the late night clubs. It, it's where G.A.Y. is. It's definitely Soho where you want to go out for a LGBT night out. But depending on what your scene is, some places are more male orientated, some places are more mixed, some places are more queer and alternative culture, some are more mainstream. So it really depends what you want, but it covers everything and for everybody. And that's the most important thing. I found this note that you put in the document to be very strange. You said that you're strangely not a 24-hour town. Like, I assumed London was open all night. It was like New York City. I mean, having been to New York, you really find out what a 24-hour city is yeah. and how un-24-hour London is once you've been to New York. 
you're never going to get stuck anywhere in London. There'll always be a shop open. There'll always be a bus you can get on. You're never going to not be able to find food or drink or transport home. So it's not not 24 hour in the sense it shuts down and everyone stra- is stranded and turns into a pumpkin at 11 p.m. and just has to wait for the sun to rise to be able to move again. But it's not 24 hour like New York is. The pubs have curfews at 11 o'clock. A lot of the club nights they go to two. is open to I think four and five on Fridays to Mondays. I'd need to double check that. Uh, there are places which are extra late opening hours, like to early morning, but it's not standard. So London's weird. It's kind of old fashioned and rickety and everything closes. But at the same time, because it's got everything, you'll always find something that's late night and opening. So it's not strictly 24 hours. Is, and it's going to be that way, even though the shows themselves are on Friday, Saturday. My group is going to be there Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. We're traveling to Glasgow on the Monday, the actual show day, just because we wanted a long London weekend. Yeah, I think I'm going up on show day to Glasgow as well, because I live in London. I need to come back and check the dog and yeah. cat still love me. Yeah, make sure everything's OK <laughs> at home. Yeah, yeah. Remember where I live like so many weeks into tour. But yeah, if you're, if you're staying in London, I recommend that you you stay. It depends what you want to do. But in the kind of Waterloo, Southwark, Bermondsey areas, okay. I think are better. Because if you stay in zone one, it's going to be really ridiculously expensive. So if you just stay an extra 10, 15 minute walk out of zone one, the prices massively go down, but you're actually in, it's still in a really interesting, lovely area. So I'd recommend staying or looking around the South Bank, Waterloo area. Like Southwark, Waterloo, you say? Yes, Southwark, Bermondsey, Waterloo, anywhere near the South Bank, which is one of the nicest parts of London. It happens to be one of my favorites as well. Um, But from there, You've got all the bridges over the river to get you everywhere. You've got your Waterloo tube station. You've got the buses. You can walk, but it's cheaper and more interesting and less touristy than being stuck in zone one with just flagship stores around you. And it's a little less interesting. Love this. Okay, so the official currency in all of England is the British pound sterling and no euros anywhere. Don't even bring that no, trash no, in no our country. Euros. If, if, if you give people here a euro, they won't understand what it is. And depending <laughs> on whose hands you give it to, they'll rip it up and say, fuck the EU. So, which I do not agree with. Brexit was terrible. Yeah. And, <laughs> yes. and London is a very, very liberal, left-wing, progressive city and we don't represent the rest of the UK at all. But no, nowhere would take euros at all. People won't understand what they are or what you're doing with them in London at all. <laughs> Keep your euros at home or save them for Ireland. I've been to London, so this seems like a silly question because I know the answer. But tell us more about the tipping culture. We don't really have a tipping culture as such. Well, not not in comparison to how you do in the States where you very much know how to tip and what percentage you're meant to be giving and how it's expected. We don't have that culture as such in the UK. Um, usually uh, if you're having a sit-down meal somewhere or you're in a particularly large group and you've got a a, a dedicated server it's kind of courtesy to give 10% if you've got a large group I'd personally give more because you've got one server and it can be kind of stressful I was a waitress one summer you don't don't want 10% after you've just served 50 people Mm -hmm. Um, usually they will put it on the card machine Uh, so when you go to pay it will say on the screen of the card machine do you want to add a 10% service 
service charge and then you can press yes or no so it's up to you really if you press yes or no depends how nice your waitress was and how nice that club sandwich was and if you want to kill her we're recording this at eight in the morning on a tuesday where yesterday monday i had the day off of work and i got an edition of light divided tattoo and then proceeded to drink with my friend the whole rest of the night where i was tipping like 50 percent, sometimes even like more so <laughs> when i get a little inebriated get ready for a tip people <laughs> oh i give people my pin number when i'm drunk i'm a nightmare <laughs> i mean I, this, this is probably not the information that should go out on the podcast is it that's somehow like, worse hey holly, hey holly get her drink these 10 tequilas and i'll take your pin number for your credit card but um yeah so hi everyone hi we get drunk so, yeah, okay if i try and give you my pin number please refuse it <laughs> yeah um, please yeah that's my tipping culture <laughs> The day before is a day off, but the show before is Brussels, and it's 231 miles, 373 kilometers. It's five hours by car, three hours by train, a simple hour and 10 minutes by plane, if you choose to do that. But keep in mind, getting to the airport, etc. What's your preferred method of travel, and how are you getting from Brussels to London? We're getting on the Eurostar from Brussels to London, and in all honesty, it's the only way that I would ever go from Brussels to London. The Eurostar is so convenient and usually fairly priced and it comes into King's Cross. I would never fly that journey just because of how convenient it is when you get off that train and you're in central London and you come into the train station, King's Cross, St Pancras, where you've got all the tube lines. So you can be anywhere really, really quickly. If you fly, you're going into Heathrow or Gatwick and then you need to come into the city from them and it can be quite lengthy. But there's nothing wrong with flying. It's just that the Eurostar, if you're coming from Brussels, flying that route just wouldn't even cross my mind. I would only ever get a Eurostar. That's what we're doing. Excellent. Yay. Are you planning to come in on the day off or are you planning to go right after the Brussels show? I don't remember what I'm doing. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Tanya, where are you? She's got the injury. Tanya's been a a, a godsend in doing the bookings. She sends me these things saying, we're going to do this. I'm like, yeah, brilliant. I'll give you the money. Fantastic. (laughs) She's very organized. She's the most organized person you'll ever meet in your life. She's a godsend. I could not do this tour without her. So hi, Tanya and thank you for existing because uh, you're my lifeline. Yay. Tell us about the tube. Tell us all about the underground. The, the London Underground, we call it the Tube. Yeah, it's uh, it's brilliant. I mean, Londoners constantly complain about how awful our transport is. And then if you, if you go anywhere out of London, <laughs> you're standing waiting an hour for a bus or trains don't exist. Or So we're the, we've just got the, one of the best transport systems in the world, yet it's just still not good enough for us as <laughs> Londoners because if it says it's due in one minute and it turns up in two minutes, we're like, what the hell is going on? This is a, a, atrocious. Where is my reason? fun what, what is this awful horrendous city i live in but we're just spoiled so the tube network is brilliant um uh, you'd need an, an, an oyster card you'd arrive and buy your your little plastic card that you top up like a prepayment card and then you can just tap in and out of the tube tap in and out of the buses and it's much much cheaper to do that than buy your pay-as-you-go paper tickets you'll save so so much money doing that so if you're in london for a few days as you are I might even have some spare Oyster cards, so you don't need to buy one. Um, I'll let me have a look for you. But if you get yourself an Oyster card, top that up, and then you can just come and go on the buses and tubes, and it's so, so easy. Wow. Is there like a day pass or like a week-long pass that, we sh- that you would recommend? It depends how much you're traveling. I wouldn't get a week pass or a pass for a few days. You can buy weekly Oyster cards, um, weekly travel cards. I wouldn't do it. I would just do the the pay-as-you-go Oyster card. I think Mm. would be the cheapest and most convenient thing if you're here for three, four days. 
explain the difference between cabs and black cabs? A black cab will charge you a lot. They're registered and licensed, and I'd like to say that they're the safest way to get in, in a cab. The black cabs are generally safe forms of transport, opposed to your unknown Uber driver, who once I got in a got in an Uber, and he hot-wired the engine to start the car. I'm like, should I really be in this? So I'm not saying that that's a standard. I'm saying that if you get in a black cab, he's probably going to have a car key. So that's a good place to start. Um, the black cabs are great. London cabbies and the conversations you have with them are fantastic. They know every single inch of this city. Um, and it, it's a joy to speak to these guys who know so much about what's going on. But they are very, very expensive, like really ludicrously expensive. And unless you have got to get somewhere imminently in a crisis situation, <laughs> I would get on the tubes or walk. I walk everywhere. If you're in zone one, zone two, just walk everywhere or just mm -hmm. jump on the buses. The buses are so quick and simple to get on, as is the tube network. You just won't need to get taxis anywhere. I only ask this because Peter Doyle does drive a black cab, and so every black cab ride I've ever had was free. <laughs> oh, wait, so that's brilliant. So the elusive Peter Doyle. Um, <laughs> so I'm glad that I bigged up uh, black cab drivers before yeah. you told me yeah. that this elusive Peter Doyle, he who already wanted to hang up on me for not going, <laughs> and then for me to further then say, oh, black cab drivers are evil. The worst. Um, <laughs> the worst. You never go in a black cab. Um, no, they're, they're brilliant, but you just, you just won't need to get one yeah and then in the uber lift section of our notes holly writes i have never gotten an uber in my life well no i mean i got the one that hot wired an engine and then subsequently never got one again <laughs> in my life so that's just the life i lead is bloody ridiculous and these things happen to holly as everyone that knows me knows i know so i'm sure you, most of you can safely get an uber with a driver who has a key <laughs> and a license and eyes but i just haven't had that experience yet I hope our drivers have eyes. <laughs> if anyone wants to take me in an Uber just to prove that they uh, know how to, 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 to drive cars without having to hotwire the cars to, to start first, right. then great, let's do it. Okay, so we've talked about the National Theatre. Now, what are other things that we can do in London? I know that sounds silly, like what can't you do? But <laughs> talk to us about the first the big tourist traps maybe like the things that we should see if we were to never go to London again, like what we'd want to walk away with, like the experiences, and then maybe some like secret things. Well, I've mentioned it a few times now, but it's because I really think it's just the most lovely part of London. Go to South Bank, you start at Waterloo, and you see the big wheel, which is called the London Eye, so you can go on that, um, the giant Ferris wheel, but it's worth doing. And so you start at Waterloo, that's where the, the big wheel is, and you see Big Ben and the Houses of Parliament. Then you walk down past the Royal Festival Hall, that's where Tori played one of the best shows of her life ever. So it's kind of like a little Tory tour. You start at Big Wheel, so you can all have a sing-song of Big Wheel, <laughs> then, then walk past her venue of 99, which is cool because they kind of have an open foyer and there's always something going on in there. They have free foyer exhibitions and sometimes they have free music and it's just a cool little place to hang out, really. And then you walk a little bit further down and you've got the National Theatre. So obviously you can swing in there and watch The Light Princess. Mm -hmm. um, then you can walk a little bit further down still and you see where she filmed some of the welcome to england video the, i refuse to say the word the visualette <laughs> the pier right yeah yeah the pier in her jumpsuit oh, so you... and if you don't think i'm doing that if you don't think i'm recreating that walk 
Oh no, you're recreating. You're getting in your star spangled. Yeah, onesie. I will bring. I'll just bring a flag. I'll just wear a flag. <laughs> you stand there and do that. Yeah. So you can re- then recreate Welcome to England, and then if you walk down a little more, you've got the Tate Modern. So it's our main modern art gallery. It's free at the moment. You need to pre-book because of COVID, but. I have no idea what they'll be doing there in March. So views there from St Paul's Cathedral, Tower Bridge, London Bridge, really beautiful parts of the river to look at. Walked down a little further still, you've got Burham Market where Tori mentions that she goes and that's where her favourite restaurant is, her favourite coffee is, down near Shakespeare's Globe Theatre. So really that stretch of the river, you know, you can really stretch it to be a tentative Tory tour, you know, from Big Wheel to her favourite coffee. Um, (laughs) It's definitely the the stretch of London that I'd recommend to anyone to to walk down. It's Mm -hmm. just so pretty and it's got cafes, bars and restaurants and it's on the river and it's just lovely. It's a really nice walk. On the other side of the river, you've got coffee garden which is a old market square but it's more little boutique stores and cafes it's very very touristy but it's where our opera house is and it's another vibrant lovely part of london to see i'd recommend all of our parks camden market camden high street they look like a hellhole stinking disgusting vomit lines dive but it really is when you can get past that selling point it really is known for its alternative culture it's rock bars it's uh, indie stores it's tattoo places it's really kind of a grungy divey place but when you really get your teeth stuck into Camden it's really cool and a great place to visit especially if you're not from London it's an experience but it's one worth having so we've spent the day doing our Tory tour from Big Wheel to Royal Festival Hall to the pier where we've walked in our American flags we've taken a black cab to our Airbnb and realized we should have just taken the tube now where do we eat well I mean look Britain's not known for its food (laughs) You know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Because I ate what I thought was a chocolate muffin, and it turned out that it was something called blood pudding. And I, I will oh, never. Oh no! Yes, we don't want to eat blood pudding. I mean, just blood pudding. Yeah, what is that? What is that? I won't, as a vegetarian, now discuss blood pudding with you. <laughs> but um, I will not advocate that. <laughs> How could you Brits do this to me? I'm sorry, we're we're just a disgusting <laughs> country. Yeah, blood pudding. No, I mean we like to eat toast and we love a sandwich. Mm-hmm. We love a meal deal. We love things in bread. Bread pudding, sandwiches, yeah, breadsticks. We do. We're a fan of bread. Mm. Um, we have good pubs, and good pub food is actually is actually great. Good British pub food. You get kind of a standard menu, and you can have your spotted dick and custard for pudding, and you can have uh, your roast chicken and bread sauce because we love bread. And also some fish and chips. But I think pub food or just a regular chain restaurant you're kind of pizza places and stuff like that just reasonably priced nice places what is spotted dick what is spotted dick now i'm not really a dick connoisseur but the last (laughs) time i tried it it's like a wet sponge with raisins and currants it's just i'm sure it's nice for those (laughs) like sponge it's like a sponge cake Usually served with custard. <laughs> Am I going to be able to find like pasties or pasties, are they called? Like the pies? Now, if you're coming to Britain, you'll discover two things that you can't live without. One is a Wetherspoons mm-hmm. and one is a Greg's. 
Mm. So a grant is where, it, if it exists, it would be sold to you in, in hot, wet, like cheap pastry mm. in a greasy bag. Well, you know, it's where you get your, your pasty or your sausage roll mm. or a steak bake or a vegetable bake or a chicken bake or a potato bake. <laughs> and that's a Greg's and it's cheap and it's disgusting, but we all love it. Yes. So you get your Greg's. That's what you need to do. You have a Greg's breakfast at a train station. You're going to get your one pound sausage roll in a greasy bag. <laughs> so you need to. Go, you need to look for where a Greg's is. It's like a, a staple part of British life. It's the best thing to eat after a drunken night where you've, A, given away all your money as a tip and your pin number, <laughs> and B, like you're hungover. What are we doing after the show? If everything closes at 11 and the show presumably ends around 11, what would you suggest people plan to do after the show if they didn't want to go to a bar, for example? Well, once we've discussed her mashup of Pleather and Chocolate Song, which she might do in, in London, and we've that I'll go into Soho. That's where the gay bars are, and I think that's where we need to go. I love that. I was in London 16 years ago. That was the last time I was there, and I remember spending like a really fun, wild night at Gay G A Y. Yes. And I'm assuming that that at some point we're going to do that again. I mean, um, that's just that's more important than seeing Tori, to be honest. Right. <laughs> right. Explain G A Y to the people. So G-A-Y is, is uh, our main gay club, late running. Uh, I think they close at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. at the weekends. Um, they play pop music. You're gonna, it, it's typical gay club. It's very mixed in there. Quite mainstream, I think. It's the, I, got, I, got, I got barred from G-A-Y once many, really? many years really? ago. Yes, it's, uh, it's fun. It's really good fun. It's, uh, it's cheap and pop and great and they they open late explain the check-in procedure the check-in procedure is like an airport you go through uh, metal detectors and then once you're through the metal detectors they search you uh, very intensely which is good because you're safe i suppose once you're in there mm -hmm. but it can be quite strict and be quite intimidating and the queues can be long i've waited to get into joy before joy club for over an hour in a queue before wow. so it can take a long time but i think that's more so on a friday or a saturday night but once you're in it's just kylie and rainbows and cheap and it's great. I remember going to GAY in 2005 and they looked me square in the eye and they said, this is a gay bar. Are you okay with that? And I said, absolutely. I mean, so this is why I got banned. This is this is why I got banned once because many, 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 many years ago, I mean, I think going back like 15, 20 years, they were questioning my sexuality and why I was there. So I that offended me. So I got argumentative and I got barred. <laughs> but, but I, <laughs> and that's another podcast. But this was many, many years ago. And I've subsequently been there multiple times. So, when, so rule number one, if you get barred, it doesn't mean you're barred because they don't remember what you look like. <laughs> yeah. We've arrived at my favorite part of the show where... I'm going to ask you how to say things in British dialect in case we run into locals and we don't want them to know we're American. Because, you know, there's a stigma around Americans. Do you feel that that's prevalent in, in London? I like to think no. I, I like to think that London, I mean, there's always going to be, be shit in the flower beds. But on the whole, I think London is, a, is an inclusive, progressive, 
liberal left-wing brilliant city you know like new york but you're always going to have someone who isn't nice lurking about but on the whole i not not in a million years that would be horrific if that's the case but um you need to learn some cockney rhyming slang see well, this is the section of the show where you got you get to teach us that oh should you teach us how to say these things in cockney instead <laughs> if we want people to think we're really british so i i kind of well i i don't sound very cockney but I can teach you some phrases. So if someone says, you know, you're going to get in a bit of Barney rubble, that's trouble. Bees and honey, money. If they say boat races a face, uh, what else is there? Bread and cheese, sneeze. So in London, she might do court light bread and cheese <laughs> instead. Um, bricks and mortar, daughter. People don't speak like this in London. Sometimes, you know, people either think in London, you, you're all like, you know, dicky bird, dicky dirt, dinky doze, dog and bone, dog meat, duck and dive. Or you're talking about, oh, I'm just going to go and see the Queen at three o'clock. We're going to have cucumber sandwiches. People kind of think you're one or the other, but none of us are at all. But uh, Can't we be both? <laughs> I swing from Cockney to Mary Poppins sometimes. It depends how I'm around. But um, yeah, so some uh, Cockney rhyming slang. A car, jam jar. And if you're hungry, you're Hank Marvin, starving. Hank Marvin? Yeah, Hank Marvin, you're starving. Uh, <laughs> if you want to go for a kick and prance, you want to go for a dance. Or if, or you might want to tip someone a fiver, but that's giving them a lady Godiva. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to love it there. I mean, but no one speaks like this. I'm going to find someone. I'm going you are, to. You're going to find someone that speaks like this and pin them down and, and, and put them in a glass box and, you know, put them on display. <laughs> right. Because be, no one speaks like this. Cockney. I have a terrible <laughs> Cockney accent. <laughs> because, look, talk to me about Chaz and Dave because they've described their music as Rockney. 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 Yeah. Cheese and onion sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that song. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if she'll do London Girls or she'll, I wonder if she'll do anything like that. Oh, that'd be so fun. It would be great fun. It depends on the mood of the show, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. I'm I mean, sure the second show will be, the first show will probably be like the press show, is my assumption. This is the thing. When I think most fans would agree with me who have done the multiple London shows, you get, you, we get our two shows in London, you get your press show where you're going to get your, your winters and silence and leathers. Yeah. And you, you get that sta- standard show. They're flawless and beautiful, but you get that usually on night one. Show two, she's bringing out... Gospel choir. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they're usually far more fan-orientated shows. So in London, you know, between the two shows, we could get anything. But I'm really hoping she's going to whack out, you know, an improv of uh, Cockney rhyming slang. Oh, my God. That'd be great. I'm going to ask for it. I'm going to ask for it. Yes, please. I want to hear you say so then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to imitate your accent. If you run into someone from London and you just want to strike up a casual conversation in British slang, how would you say, hello there, would you happen to remember what city Tori was in when she played Mad World in 2005? That was Austin, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah. Um, I wasn't there, but I know that was Austin. So how do you how do you strike up conversation with someone in London? Well, you know, firstly, in London, if someone starts walking towards you, your your immediate thought is, why on earth is that person walking towards me? I'm going to go this way. What, what on earth? They, why, I, why are they giving me eye contact? This is weird. What do they want? So you've got a lot of Londoners are suspicious. Right. We kind of, I've noticed. <laughs> we sit on the tube in silence. You know, you sit opposite someone and pray they don't give you eye contact. And if someone <laughs> smiles at you, you think, do I have oh, food on my face? Do they know me? <laughs> 
what on earth is going on? Are they going to mug me? Do, do, <laughs> do I know? Do I know their dad? Like, what? What are you doing? Give me eye contact. Um, so we're, we're quite a strange city because we're equally, actually, equally actually very friendly and, and lovely. If you stop someone and want directions, they're, they're going to help you. Most people are great, but we are suspicious. We are very suspicious of people approaching us. That's interesting. Why is that? What? I don't know. We're strange. There's two. There, there's a lot of, of people in this city. We're stressed out. We're poor. <laughs> you know, we work long weeks and pay 90% of what we earn for ridiculous, awful rent. And we sit in crammed trains that dare to be one minute late we sit there seizing with anger every morning through our commute that takes two and a half hours to get to the other side oh, of the city and then God. six hours later we have to do it all the way back again six you know, hours your work day is six hours well my, yeah mine is it takes me two hours to get two two and a half hours to get there i work six hours then come back again so that's why we all we're all well, that's why we don't want eye contact because we're stressed I get it. I hear that. But no, it's one of my favourite cities in the world. And it's not just because I've lived here my whole life. I genuinely, objectively love London because it has everything. And it has Tori on March 11th and 12th and it has John Witherspoon. And what if John Witherspoon, what if he's insisting that only people that are British are getting their requests these nights? I mean, no. I mean, start talking to him about Liverpool Football Club. and uh, then you'll Want. He's a Liverpool supporter. Oi, Spoon. And, uh, Liverpool, eh? Spoony, yeah. He's, Spoony. He's, he, he loves his Liverpool football club. So, uh, you know, if you're not British, uh, tell him you support Liverpool and you'll get your uh, get your request. I'm going to go as far <laughs> as bringing a Liverpool football club t-shirt to wear in I mean, London. we all should, really. Right. <laughs> Why are you all dressed Liverpool fans in London? Oh, because we want our request to yeah, be exactly. just... Yeah, exactly. Because we want you go to my head. Yeah. Oh, that would be incredible. Wouldn't yes, it? Please. With a band. Oh my god! Oh, Even solo oh, that, with the bed. With a Cockney improv. Oh, <laughs> you go to my head, sir. That'd be fantastic. Like London girls go to my head. <laughs> yeah, or, or yeah, you go to me noggin. That's you know. <laughs> you go to me noggin. Yeah, it's I want Rockley. that. To you, you go to me Cockney noggin, mate. In my Liverpool shirt. <laughs> I mean, London's going to be weird at this rate, but I'm there for it. Um, can you do an American accent? Because one time I was in Wolverhampton and we were staying in like what we thought was a bed and breakfast, but it ended up being this like weird bed and breakfast halfway house because there was three children. There were like 14, 15 living there alone together. So I didn't know what was going on. But we were down for our standard English breakfast in the little restaurant dining area. Is this where you had the blood cake? No, no, no. I had the blood cake somewhere else. I think I had the blood cake in Manchester. But this night, this morning, three kids were there and they heard me and Dora and John talking and they realized we were American and they started imitating Americans. We were like, totally cool. It was just really funny. And I just, that's always stuck with me. Oh my goodness. I, I mean, I, I, I hope that when you're in London, you, people don't just start whacking out an American <laughs> accent when you walk past. I love it. <laughs> no, I mean, I like you too much to even try and attempt oh, okay. an American accent. I, I cannot do accent. I can demonstrate some Cockney. You did but well. other than that, no, I, 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 I love I love American Americans too much, and uh, I want this podcast to be broadcast, not deleted. <laughs> I mean, I've ne- I've lost you a few times I now know, with not fine. knowing Peter Doyle. Not so. No. What if we're trying to entice said Peter Doyle with our knowledge of the city? How would you say, "Cheers, Peter Doyle"? Fancy we might go for a cocktail at my favorite local hidden gem, the Blank. What would the Blank be? I would take Peter Doyle, the greatest cab driver in the world, down to the retro bar, and I'll sit him in the corner table under the framed photo of Tori and put a pint of uh, London ale on the table in front of him. I'm into it. 
That's happening. That's um, happening. So Monday when we travel to Glasgow, it's really, it's 400 miles away. It's seven and a half hours by car, four and a half hours by train. It's, I, I don't like to travel on the show day, but because it's towards the end of the tour and I, I just want an extended time in London. So I'm taking yeah. the risk to travel on the show day and it's going to be fine, right? You're going by train as well. I am going by train. You get your train to, to Glasgow from Euston train station. It's a really great train ride. You go up east coast, you go up, so you get some really beautiful views of the water, and then you go through some of the mountains in Scotland. It's a really lovely train journey. I can't wait. I love Scotland. I've spent a lot of time in Edinburgh. Well, Edinburgh's beautiful. Oh, my family, my dad's Scottish, and uh, I've spent my whole life going to and from Scotland, Glasgow and Edinburgh, where all my family live. I love um, it. It's one of my favourite places. Yeah, Edinburgh is amazing. I've been to Glasgow once in 2005 when she, when you know, we were doing our UK tour. Any recommendations for how to get there? Just train or? I've only ever got the train to Scotland. I've never flown to Scotland. People may recommend that, but mm. I just think that the train is so easy and such a great journey, and it's a scenic journey, um, and it doesn't actually feel that long once once you're on that train. It's it's a really comfortable journey, and the train's nice. I wouldn't do anything else other than get the train. I really wouldn't. Yeah, that's what we're planning to do as well. Do you have any knowledge of COVID restrictions or any warnings for us going into London? I wouldn't want to say the wrong thing, to, to be honest, when it comes to COVID restrictions because they're changing so frequently. Right. Um, and I think that, I think the UK at the moment have got quite lazy with mm-hmm. um, with, with, with COVID. Um, we're not really as good as we should be with upholding how strict we need to be with it um but by the time march comes around it's it's going to be a different world it's changed with with this side of winter um so to to talk about what it could be like by the time we're at the shows in march it's going to be a completely different world with different rules Mm -hmm. so uh what's what applies now it just won't apply it's really hard to predict for sure just be as safe and as clever as you can with it and if you can wear your mask and make sure you've got your vaccines and your boosters and just do everything right for for yourself and others Mm -hmm. i feel like this is the most stress for me this is the most stressful journey of the trip from brussels to london because we're exiting we're leaving europe Mm. and we're going into the united kingdom and i'm 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 not trying to manifest it or put it out there, but I'm afraid that we're gonna they're gonna be like, well, you got to quarantine for ten days. <laughs> I'm like, but I gotta uh, get out of here. Yeah, it, it, it's a natural fear, and and obviously on tour, uh, you just want everything to be as, as easy as as it can possibly be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I'm a real optimist and try and be really positive, and I'm just very very hopeful that yeah. by then things are going to be much much better. Yeah. And did you see the fire? I obviously saw the fireside chat with Noah and she seemed very determined like this is happening. She said it's not wobbling and it's not going to wobble. We're not wobbling. Tour's not wobbling. I'm, I'm really, really think we all, our fears are natural. And obviously we're all going to worry. This whole situation with COVID, it's just been a, a devastating thing for, for all of us. Our mm-hmm. lives the last year or so have just been, you know, bizarre and strange at, at, at best. And you know, having these fears before tour when we're all, you know, booking and paying for flights and tickets and spending thousands of pounds, dollars, (laughs) euros, whatever on this thing. Obviously, we're going to think, okay, so now if that doesn't happen, we're like, you know, screwed. Um, But I I think Tori only in that interview days ago, she seemed quite adamant and firm that it's going to happen. And I think she needs it and wants it as much as we need it and want it. Yeah, sure. And I think it would only be the law that, that has to, to 
that, that would change it if there were actual laws and uh, mandates and restrictions put in that she can't physically change they're the only things that would stop her doing shows but other than that i think it's it's all going to happen and all be fine yeah i agree with that statement that she needs it and wants it as much as we do i that there's evidence in that and that she even though matt couldn't do it she still hired another drummer you know there's evidence like she's got to get on the road and she's got to play she has so. to it's it's what she does and what she needs um mm. and she's determined and she likes the challenge and she's very very uh if someone tells her she can't do something, she'll show you immediately she can. Mm-hmm. If if she if she thinks she can't tour, she'll show you that tour is absolutely going to happen. Yeah, she's a headstrong, and she's going to make it work to the best of her ability for herself, for the band, and for us. Yes, Queen. Yes, I love she's it. She's going to do it. Yeah, she's going to do it. Holly, where can people find you online if they wanted to follow your adventures and hope to get your pin number? How <laughs> you with drinks? <laughs> well, I- <laughs> Well, my pin number's available six tequilas in. Um, <laughs> six top shelf sport- tequilas. Top shelf. I mean, yeah, I mean, of the one top shelf tequila, and I'll escort you personally to the cash point. <laughs> Here you go. Have it. I don't even have anything to have. But hey, take my debt. It's fine. You take can have my, my pin number, but you're not getting my tour itinerary. <laughs> yeah, you can have my pin number, but there's no cash in my account. So right. we're good with that. My Instagram is unrepentant nectarine. <laughs> which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also have um, uh, another Instagram, which is purely just the gigs I go to, which is gender nectarine. Oh, great. So unrepentant nectarine and gender nectarine are my two Instagrams. And uh, yeah, follow them. Follow Holly online to see the gigs and to see her life. And we'll, of course, we'll link to all of this stuff that we talked about in our show notes, com on the London page. Thank you so much for doing this, Holly. This was great. Thank you. It's been amazing. Bye. Bye.
Tour All Night is a production of the Sideways Society. For more information or links to things mentioned on the show, please visit us online at songsoftoryamus.com.